Welcome back to another episode of the Goodbye July podcast. Today, I am super excited to introduce you to a good friend of mine, Jasmine Blue. Jasmine is a harm and reduction advocate, substance use and recovery researcher, musician, and a proud native Austinite. She's a medical and community health professional in the process of obtaining her master's degree in public health and with a deep-seated dedication for assisting vulnerable communities in improving their overall well-being, Jasmine currently works boots on the ground addressing the present opioid crisis in the United States. Her vision is that her research, publications, and one-on-one interactions are able to edify and enhance each person's experience on this beautiful planet. As you can tell, Jasmine is doing incredibly important work, and today she and I are going to have a conversation about all sorts of things, but really about addiction. And addiction is something that doesn't necessarily have to be an addiction in the traditional sense of the word. We can be addicted to people, ideas, work, all kinds of things. And in addition to that, many of us face anxiety and depression as a result of just general unhealthy mental behaviors. So I wanted to explore all of these different pieces with Jasmine. She's the perfect person for this, and I cannot wait for you to meet her. So it is my great honor to introduce you to Jasmine Blue. Hey, my name is Jessica Tolar, and I'm obsessed with all things passive income, productivity, entrepreneurship, and building a life where you make the rules. I'm a normal girl who took a free money class, asked a corporate executive how she retired early, and used that knowledge to build a seven-figure net worth, quit my nine-to-five, and now run an online business from countries around the world. I teach you the simple but effective secrets to building a life you adore. Think I'm special? No way. If I did it, so can you. Money, mindset, life hacks, hardship, growth, and planning are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as a weekly coffee date with a close girlfriend where you talk about the finance and business knowledge it'll take to make your dreams a reality. So take a seat, get comfortable, and prepare to be challenged and cheered on while you learn. This is the Goodbye July podcast. Just real quick before we get started, I have something that you are going to love. It's a free resource on budgeting, and I realize that budgeting may not feel like the sexiest topic, but across the board, it is the number one way to get started in truly taking control and mastering your money. And once you start incorporating into your life, it is honestly a lot of fun. So grab my free resource at jessicatoller.com slash what's my budget. It'll make your life a whole lot easier. Again, that's jessicatoller.com slash what's my budget. Okay, let's get back to today's episode. Hey, Jasmine. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm super excited to have you on the show. Hey, Jess. Happy to be here. (laughs) Cool. Well, how about to start? Why don't you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to these last couple of years? Sure. Um, So I am presently a researcher working in the harm reduction field here in Austin, Texas. I've been working closely with one project in particular that investigates the efficacy of creating sober mat homes to promote long-term recovery from opioids. And uh, I'll get into what mat is, I guess, a little bit later, but that stands for medication-assisted treatment. Um, this study is actually the first of its kind to provide free housing, recovery resources, and create a community of people who are dealing with similar issues as their own and on similar medications for their opioid use disorder. 
Um, I'm also getting my master's degree in public health at UT Health Science Center at the School of Public Health. And actually, I found out last night that I just got accepted to speak at a conference in late October this year. Um, it's going to be the Texas SOFI, which stands for Society of Public Health Educators, in which I'll be presenting on how to connect and reach vulnerable populations like people experiencing homelessness presently in their drug addiction or have doubts about the healthcare system um, treating them um, well or like sending them back to jail or even inpatient treatment, um, which which is rightfully so. So I am just busy here in the harm reduction and health field in Austin, Texas. That's kind of what I'm into right now. Okay, Jasmine, I wish we were actually on video because my smile is so big. I mean, I know you're incredible already, but that that's, <laughs> that's really, really cool, especially the fact that you got invited to speak at a conference. And for anyone listening, Jasmine is a dear friend of mine. And I'm like, I don't know, I've already been proud of you. And I'm, I'm just even more proud of you now that I'm I'm hearing you say all this. It's super cool. It's amazing. Good for you. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. <laughs> of course. Now, okay, cool. So, yes, now everybody kind of knows for the most part, what you're about, at least from a career perspective. And I'm glad you led with that because that's a lot of what I wanted to talk to you about is addiction. And we'll, we'll get into that. Not, not only just drug addiction, but, but other things as well. But, um, as we kind of move through this conversation, we'll talk more about sort of things that you do kind of outside because you're a very talented musician as well. You're super focused on your health. You help with different businesses. So I'm really, really excited to have this conversation with you. And what I'm learning in doing these guest interviews, like, for example, what just happened is, you know, I'm starting these guest interviews with people who are my friends. And I already know a lot of these things about you, but it's really cool to have this conversation because I still get to learn more. So I'm, I'm super excited. So, to kind of piggyback off of everything that you just said, you know, you're doing really important work with people whose addictions look like what many of us think of when we hear the word addiction. But like I said, I'd like to explore addiction kind of in a more broad sense, because I would say that it's true that we can get addicted to anything. You know, we can get addicted to a person, an idea, to work, whatever it is. So at the end of the day, addiction to me seems like it's over-rotating into any one specific thing to a point where it becomes unhealthy. So I wanted to speak specifically to you about this because not only do you work with addiction, but you're also one of the most well-rounded people I know. So like I said, you're doing all of those things you just told us about. You also have your music, your health, your relationship, your other business things. So from my perspective, you live a very balanced life. So can you share a bit about a typical day in your life and how you make sure you're honoring all of the different parts of yourself and never over rotating into one specific area yeah um so let me just start by saying that this is definitely an ongoing challenge <laughs> that i experience every day and if it wasn't for just organizing the various domains in my life i wouldn't be able to show up with like a smile on my face and i know that's kind of like a broad thing to say but in essence if i didn't separate everything into these buckets like I have my music bucket I have my work bucket I have my master's degree like class bucket I wouldn't be able to be effective or as effective in each individual domain unless I stayed organizing within those various buckets so I guess what I like to do in the morning is I like to wake up and just go to the gym and I just prioritize myself and my health first <laughs> 
And I know that could sound kind of selfish, but I always believe that if you wake up in the morning and the first thing that challenges you is yourself, you're kind of, you're very privileged in that. Like, that's kind of the best thing that you can experience. So I, I forgive my French, but I always say, like, if you wake up in the morning and you kick your own ass, like, in the gym and you challenge yourself, like, nothing can beat you down for the rest of your day. You know what I mean? You just kind of, like, gave yourself that. You challenged yourself. You ran. You lifted heavy, whatever it was. Um, and now nothing throughout the rest of your day is really going to be as hard as that. And it definitely can't be because it's coming from the outside world. You know, it's out of your control anyway. So I like to do that. <laughs> I wake up in the morning and I work out. I come home and I shower and just kind of cleanse myself. I stretch and then I kind of get to what I need to do for either school of work, school or work. And um, a lot of that is checking in with clients. So I have a caseload and I have just like an order of operations of what tasks need to be prioritized. And that thing is just constantly rotating like you were saying. And that's kind of what a simple day is. And when you allow yourself a little bit of that freedom and you already know what's prioritized, you allow yourself to be adaptable within your day because the day always throws random things at you, especially the population I work with, especially running a business with my partner. Like all of those things just kind of pop up without your ability to control them. And so being adaptable within your day and making sure that you already prioritized yourself in the morning, I think, is just my secret. There's really no other, like, organization that happens past that, aside from a lot of writing and a lot of reflecting and prioritization, I would say. Yeah, I love I love what you said. It's funny that you mentioned organization because I happen to love organization, and I was just working on some stuff for my business that talks about financial organization and how how – organization in your finances is pretty much the secret. But I think that you spoke really well to the fact that organization in your life might be the secret. So I, I really like that thought. And I also love what you said about prioritizing yourself first thing. I don't think that's selfish at all. I'm, I'm a big believer in the, the whole statement about, you know, you can't take care of anyone else or be there for anyone else or, you know, be a good employee or partner, or whatever, unless you are first honoring yourself and prioritizing your needs. I really like what you said about, you know, kicking your ass in the gym first thing in the morning because then nothing else will be as hard. It's a really, really good thought, and it's something that I think that I can use. (laughs) That's awesome. But something else that I love what you said is adaptability. I find, especially as the world changes, and I mean, I'm sure it's very much like this in the healthcare field, that I don't know much about that, but just in in my life and the things that I experience, I think adaptability and flexibility is also a huge key to just being able to not only just like go about your day and remain sane, but also probably to to stay happy and well-rounded. And I'd like to dig just a, a little bit deeper into that with you because I think organization is maybe the most important, but I think adaptability would be a very close second. So when you're going through your day and you have your plan and it sounds like you're very structured and organized, how do you make sure that you're paying attention kind of to how you feel and how to be flexible and how to be adaptable when things maybe don't come your way? Are there specific things that you're doing to regularly check in with yourself and on your feelings and dig into what you need when things don't go as planned? Sure, um, definitely. I would say I don't care who you are or what power 
you feel within your own mind, body, and soul, you have to write your feelings down. And this is, it helps if it's daily, but I would even challenge everyone to try this weekly. And you have to write these feelings down and you have to ask yourself, am I staying true to my mission? And if you struggle with that question, like, the kicker is, like, what is my mission, right? The first thing you have to know is, like, what is your mission? So what is it in the first place? Why are you over here acting these things? Is it to fulfill a role? Is it to be a good employee? Or do you have a greater mission? And that's something that everyone kind of struggles with. But it's something that is has it like has to exist within your brain so you can just stay true to it. And that's kind of my checks and balances mission. Like I understand that my main mission is to help people enhance their pre-existing strengths that they already have within themselves to basically promote overall health and well-being and to maybe even beat their addiction. So like all that to encapsulate, you can start with the first three words. I just want to help people. Like I know that sounds very, very like cliche. And that goes back to when I was 16, 17, deciding what I wanted to do when I applied to college. I just know that my mission is to give a little bit of myself up, a little bit of my day up to allow people to basically be honest with their feelings and be honest with their availability to be vulnerable. And within that, I have to be vulnerable. So I check in with myself. Am I being vulnerable? Am I being, like, open to this person's experience? And a lot of that isn't even, like, mental. It's, oh, am I presenting body language that makes someone feel comfortable enough to talk to me? Am I using words that people can understand clearly and even have their own inferences to what I mean? And then also was like, do they understand me? I think so many times in the world we're all just nodding along. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I agree. Or I like to say, I feel you. You know, I like to say, I feel you, but do you really feel that person? And that's just that needs to just boil down to your own vulnerability to allow yourself patience to allow yourself patience to provide someone else that patience because I always say like if you're going to be so kind to strangers and you're going to prioritize strangers um, you're going to prioritize clients people that aren't you are you showing yourself that type of vulnerability are you checking in with yourself are you being sensitive did you cry in the past week? <laughs> like all of these things encapsulate this feeling that you bring to the table every time you have a conversation with somebody. And I don't know if I'm even aligning with your question right now, but honoring your feelings and digging into what you need has to be the first step. Like you have to bring that to every conversation you have with somebody because that's what makes you you. And I think everyone wants to have a genuine conversation with somebody. They don't want to nod along. They'll forget that, <laughs> but they'll never forget, you know, I'll quote Maya Angelou. People will forget all the time what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And I'm paraphrasing, but I always think about that quote. And I think that's, that's what makes the world go round. That's the good stuff right there, <laughs> you know. That is. And yes, you absolutely answered my question. So it sounds like what you're doing regularly to check in with yourself is to continue to make sure that you're being vulnerable, which, you know, in your line of work in mental health and addiction, I think that's probably 
critical. But I think that's something that all of us can learn from because no matter what situation we're in, whether we're in this career, that career, in this relationship or single or like whatever it is, we all have relationships with other people. And to your point, how we make people feel is what is most important and what makes the world go round at the end of the day. And being able to show ourselves that same vulnerability and making sure that we're making ourselves feel good, I think, is of the utmost importance. So I definitely think you answered the question. I think you answered it very well. And, you know, it's a nice segue into the next thing I wanted to ask you is I think a lot of listeners on this show, I don't know if they would qualify as, I guess I I can't speak for people, but I'm assuming that people probably wouldn't qualify as addicts in terms of substance abuse, but they might have things that they are struggling with in the more broad sense of addiction, or maybe it's that they just kind of feel like something is off in their life. Maybe it's some other kind of mental health thing. And here, I'll just speak for myself. So there have been times in my life, even recently, where I've kind of had this weird feeling of discomfort throughout the day. I just don't really feel comfortable in my skin or I'm questioning my decisions. I wonder if I'm on the right path. If I just kind of get into this like negative outlook that I feel like could lead to negative behaviors, whatever that looks like for me. The point is I can't really pinpoint what's wrong, but I know I don't feel good. And many times I'm not really sure how to shake that feeling. So do you have any advice for me or other people who might be feeling this way in their life every day or if maybe it's during certain periods of their life? What would you say to somebody who's struggling with something like that? Yeah, first I'll touch on what you said about how to change that uncomfortability, like kind of when it's happening. And then I'm going to speak a little bit more about just addiction, not substance addiction, maybe behavioral, just a little bit after. But first, if there's one thing that doing psychedelics has taught me, it's to change your scene. Like the minute, the minute you are literally tripping on something, the the actual feeling of being uncomfortable, flip your environment around, like get up, walk across the walk across the room is your hair down put that shit up on a ponytail like change something so you don't project your own uncomfort onto the world around you and then that affects your whole perception of how you're experiencing your day and I really hope that makes sense so like to back up like oftentimes that uncomfortability just arises within our own bodily neural functioning and it manifests as anxiety And whether or not other people in the room realize you're being anxious, you do. And that's okay. So feel that. That's natural. Like, that's totally cool. But then do do what you can to just change something around you in your environment. And I brought up psychedelics because they're just such a good example of how they can intensify your environment and how it makes things really kind of over obvious about what's bothering you. Like, oh, that music's so loud. Or, oh, it's so bright in here. But when you're in your normal day-to-day life, and especially, you know, here in America, where a lot of things are muted, they're kind of easier for us, our our survival instincts are still acting in the way that they're going to act. And so change something. And I brought up that hair thing. I literally put my hair up on a ponytail or let it down as soon as I start to feel uncomfortable, and sometimes it works for me. And I know that sounds so weird and so trivial, but change something about your own body, your own position, your own mind, cross your legs, connect the right and left side of your brain, uncross those legs, do something that just kind of connects yourself, your mind and body to what's actually occurring to your life around you. 
and just change it. Just do just do something different because oftentimes you're just projecting that uncomfortability onto other people. And just to speak from personal experiences, that's oftentimes the the fights I would get in or the conflicts I would get in with partners or even friends. I'd be like so uncomfortable that I'm projecting my own anger or my own anxiety on the situation when the situation is fine. You know, we're at a bar or we're at a club or we're at a gathering and that gathering objectively is fine. I just have my own subjective sense of being uncomfortable. And so everyone's anxiety is different, but it exists in everybody. So I think learning the little tools in which you can apply to your day-to-day life to just change something and maybe enhance your feelings and how you react towards things, that's a practice that we all have to try. (laughs) And I say practice, and I use the word practice in almost like a medical sense. Like doctors practice medicine, which means they do it every day. It's not the fact that they're experts (laughs) in medicine. They practice every day. Yoga is a practice because you have to do it every day. And that kind of way to check in with yourself and change those things and be like, oh, okay, well, I know I'm tired. That's what it is. Oh, shit, I'm just tired. Like, let me turn off my phone. Let me get away from what I'm doing. Step away from the computer. Step away from your journal and just rest your eyes. <laughs> like, what if that was the answer the whole time, you know? And um, so that was my first, yeah, that's what I wanted to, like, open with. It's just changing your perspective. Change your scene. Just alter something. And then I wanted to touch a little bit on um, addiction and just not even chemical addiction, which is what I work with directly, specifically opioids, but, you know, behavioral addiction or even just dependency on a feeling or a person or a food or a task, you know, any of those things. And uh, I want to open it with this statement, basically, that changed my perspective on addiction when I was taking chemical dependency classes at St. Ed's in my undergrad. I mean, I was like 18, 19, 20, very much in a problematic age where I could have formed an addiction. And luckily enough, I was privileged enough to be educated on the chemical occurrences that are happening in my neural network and the behavioral things that were happening outside of my environment. So I was just kind of very aware. I was very privileged to go to college and also just carrying this awareness with myself that I think took me the extra step to have a protective factor against addiction, which I'm so thankful for. Um, But that statement is, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. And I've just always loved that, and I think it carries a lot of weight. Um, And I learned it in the TED Talk. (laughs) I learned it. I I wish I could. I'll I'll find out who it is later, and I'll bring it up. But It's something I always think about. And so within that, that addiction, that crutch, that dependency only exists in your life because you're lacking a connection elsewhere. Maybe you're lacking a connection to your family or a hobby or something that makes you feel good. That connection is what we need to emphasize and find out and write about and be curious about and not the crutch because those things will always exist, vices, and chemicals and behaviors will always be there. Like, that's why they're fun. That's why they exist. That's why people spend money on them. They'll spend all of their money on it, and that's a whole different thing that we can get into. But what can you be connected to that grounds you into something that 
basically stimulates your brain and makes you feel good. And uh, for me, that's music. <laughs> for others, that's painting. Um, sometimes it, that connection for some people can be their work, but I think that's just the main thing we need to talk about. So the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. <laughs> Jasmine, I love talking to you. Yes. I feel like this every time we talk. and I'm like so happy that we're recording this so that other people can listen to this because it's, I mean, this is helping me and I feel like this is gold that can help other people as well. I feel like I have so many things to say in response to what you just said. A couple things I picked up on are number one, when you realize that you're feeling off, whatever that looks like for you, that one of the main things that needs to happen is you have to take action. And it reminds me mm, of that quote. Yes. What is it? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So it seems like you have to recognize what's happening and do something about it. Take action, make some kind of a change. But I think if you dig even deeper into that, it's almost like first you have to be present enough to even recognize, oh, something's wrong rather than numbing it out with, social media or, you know, pills or TV or you know, whatever that looks like in your life. So like number one, presence, which takes me back to what you were talking about, maybe about journaling, writing your feelings down, the presence, and then taking some kind of action, which I think is a nice way to summarize like the beautiful thing that you just said. So I really enjoyed hearing that. And another thing that I love that you brought up are psychedelics which we can talk about it from like a, you know, a scientific research perspective. But I don't know, for, I guess I would love to understand if there's research that you know about either in the past or maybe that's currently being done. I know psychedelics are kind of coming up more and more in current times. But if someone feels in some way like they're struggling again, if their life is off or if maybe they do feel like they're coming up on like actual addiction or whatever, there's some issue and they don't really know how to deal with that. Could psychedelics help them? And if so, how would they be able to go about exploring that in a way that is legal and where they wouldn't get into trouble? Yeah. So I'll start by saying I'm totally open to talk about my own psychedelic experience. But I will say that there are two different types of basically treatment you can utilize psychedelics for. It's kind of like there's a short-term treatment, right, where you just kind of dose yourself and hopefully you have this beautiful occurrence of feelings and perspectives that is life-changing and teaches you the habits and words and experiences that maybe you need to change. And then there's like a long-term where you can microdose, and I'm sure people have heard of this term, where you can microdose psychedelics and you kind of change the chemical and structural functional aspects of your brain. And this has to be done at a therapeutic dose for a microdose. Sometimes for acid, this is known to be like a tenth of a strip. And then for shrooms, it's known to be like 0.1 of a mushroom. Um, but this is just a small dose that you can take every day or every other day, whatever is advised. There's a lot of research going on right now that I can dig into. But this dose that you take every day is effectively altering the neuroplasticity of your brain to change and connect formations of neuron communication that wouldn't have been there without 
the psychedelics that are presented. And just to put that into layman's terms, essentially psychedelic assistive therapy helps connect things in your brain that could have had a block in it or it could have had a, hmm, so block's a weird word. It could have had just like, maybe, okay, here we are, we'll back up. Maybe there's a survival or a functional reason why you aren't connecting these two things to save your brain and your brain created that block. And sometimes this is trauma and sometimes this is perspective bending material that definitely deserves more attention. However, that's why there's kind of a short-term and a long-term way to utilize psychedelics. And I'm a huge advocate for psychedelic assisted therapy, CBD, cannabis, all of it. Ketamine is arising. I know not as much about ketamine, acid, mushrooms. All of those things exist for, and for millennia almost, they all exist to help humans connect these ideas in their brain. Because the brain is a very smart thing. And the brain will fool their own brain <laughs> to basically have these feelings and those functionalities to make you go and to make you live and to make you survive. But that's not what life is about. Life isn't about surviving. Life is about feeling and life is about reflecting and like enjoying the present moment. And a lot of the time, people's depression or their anxiety prevents them from feeling in the moment. And so they're like, what is life? And I get that question. I get that question so many times, especially from your, my clients. And so that's why psychedelics are just able to be utilized to introduce these things for people. However, then we have to differentiate, okay, dependency. Like I think we've all met a kid in college that did too much acid, and that guy wasn't really connecting to anything, right? He was just going out and listening to live music, which is fun. But that's not sustainable, and he wasn't really doing it for any reasons to make himself better or themselves, whoever it was, right? But I guess that's my my little spiel on, like, the short term and the long term. So I emphasize the long term right then, and I want to talk about the short term. When, when one doses themselves with a psychedelic that maybe was strong enough to change their perspective about X, Y, or Z. And these stories, I feel like everyone kind of has a story like this. But my favorite is when people utilize psychedelics and then they come out of it and they're like, I don't ever want to have a cigarette again. <laughs> and they come out of it, they said, I will never need a drink of alcohol ever again. And those things, those stories are beautiful, but it just kind of teaches you that, oh, okay, like there is a way to introduce these things into your brain, either synthetic or naturally occurring from our earth that assist you into basically getting out of survival mode and into life mode and into enjoying and into being present. So I can go on tangents and tangents of psychedelics because of my experience trying them <laughs> and microdosing them. There's just so much, so many things to, to talk about, but there's there's a fine line too. Like yeah. for someone that's like like an addiction counselor. I know. I, I you definitely. <laughs> I can be I can be an advocate, but also I'm like be safe out there. <laughs> so. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like what what is tricky is you know for anyone who's like psychedelic curious, it's it's difficult because of the laws surrounding it. So yeah, it's almost like oh, yeah, depending on your state and where you live, you would have to kind of go into some form of therapy to do it legally, you know, definitely all of those things. But I just wanted to explore with you specifically because of the field that you're in and the research that you do and you brought up psychedelics. So I wanted to just 
share whatever you're willing to share here, because I think from my own experience as well, that they're a very powerful tool. And speaking as someone who's never been very natural at, I'm not very good naturally at kind of connecting to my own feelings or making time to be present. I personally have a habit of getting addicted to my work. I overrated mm-hmm. into that. So using psychedelics really helped me get much more in tune into who I am, what I want, what I need to prioritize, what's important. And honestly, they changed my life. And it's not like I'm doing this all the time or anything like that. But yeah, I think with a intention, okay, in my own, in my own personal experience, with an intention and using these as an actual medicine to learn something, I found it to be very powerful. So I was interested in hearing your opinion as well. Yes. That's- Placing an intention, I think that's probably one of the deciding factors of things going into a dependency versus being recreational. Like, I am intending to use this substance responsibly and maybe not leave my house and maybe write a little bit and paint a little bit in my room. You know what I mean? Like, that, that is intentional. And I like that you, you put that piece in the beginning there. That's, that's so helpful to mention. <laughs> that's definitely a defining line. One other thing I wanted to ask you, I know that one wasn't on our our list of (laughs) original questions, but something else that came up for me in all of this, because, you know, my focus is on personal finance. A lot of what I talk about on this show is personal finance. And something that I've noticed in working with different people and just talking to even people that I haven't worked with is I think it's fair to say that money can cause stress, anxiety, depression, various mental health issues or struggles with people. So I guess to kind of tie together the themes of mental health and money, what would you say to somebody who who struggles with stress, anxiety, depression over finances? Is there, I mean, is it something different I'm just curious, and again, I know this wasn't, I haven't had time to fully think this through. I just wanted to tie the two together. So is there something that kind of comes up for you when I ask, how would you kind of advise somebody who's struggling with stress, anxiety, or depression over money? Yeah, yes. So I'll start by saying I am a child of a single mother who made probably less than 30 grand her, her the, the child rearing, right? Like my mom she was a hustler, and it was awesome to watch her with her work ethic, but she was not bringing home a lot. And I was always very, like, over-aware about how we were struggling with money, basically, my whole childhood, and which made me get my first job at 14. You know, I was always just very aware that we didn't have it like other people, <laughs> and that's totally cool. And I think more people are experiencing that, and I think that's just the nature of kind of our capitalistic society here in America that some people are going to be at the bottom inherently and children will be raised down there. And so within that, I've had to address some like anxieties that I already had around money that weren't even my own choice. These things were kind of put into me by my mom and my, my experience growing up, a broke kid. <laughs> and so I think the main thing I've done for my own anxiety, and this has happened a lot with my partner, my partner's great with money. <laughs> My partner's wonderful with money. And I was not. I'm just been, I've just been good at going to school, and I've been good at being empathetic with people, and I've been good at making music. And what my partner has been so wonderful with kind of framing my mind with is a few things. I mean, a number of things. But first, 
I'll just say this. He's helping me find my value and my worth. So step one, realize that what you are, you are more than an employee. You are valuable and you are worth a lot as a human who tries and as a human who shows up. So basically, I'm not saying make, like, call your own, call your own budget, like, name your own price. But just know that you carry a lot to the conversation and you carry a lot to whatever business or corporation you may work for. So know your worth. When I grew up broke, I didn't know I was worth a lot, okay? So step one, know that you are worth getting paid. Step two, be as open as you can with your partner and your support system and your parents about money. My mom, like, love her, love her to death. She just, we were just stressed about money. There was no, there was no, like, plan of action. There was no saving for a vacation. There was no long-term decision. So, Make that long-term. Put out a plan. Even if you're broke, <laughs> make a one-year plan. How am I going to get unbroke? Five-year plan. How am I going to get, how am I going to invest, get not as broke? And how am I going to change this around? And that takes a whole lot, especially if you're in that stress, if you're in that depression, you carry that anxiety. It, you struggle naturally, literally chemically to look in front of you and create a plan. So understand that. Understand that you're being affected by your anxiety and your depression and start to take steps to unravel it. And that starts with like what we were talking about earlier, just being mindful and present to your, to your current situation. So write down what things look like right now. Write down what it looks like and then look at that piece of paper, literally crumple it up and throw it away. And then write down what you want things to look like. And these can be crazy things. Go big go, or go home. You know, this is Texas. This is America. This is capitalistic culture. So how are you going to change it? Big strides must be made or small micro behaviors. And if you do enough micro behaviors, you're changing some big things. And then three, okay, so I have, I have know your worth to talk about money and like make a plan. And what would, I don't know, my third one, go make that money. <laughs> go make that money. Get the confidence that you need. And just really try to apply yourself because there's someone out there that's above you and they're going to see that you're hustling. <laughs> they're going to see that you're making that effort. And trust me, what is the phrase? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Like you will always get picked over a position for promotion if you are showing up 10 minutes early and you're leaving when you're supposed to and you're replying to emails as soon as you receive them. And X, Y, Z, whatever it looks like in your field, as long as you're over there working hard, they're going to want to pay you more. And especially in this, this, this environment right now, I think we're seeing a lot of people that have um, the residualism of uh, COVID when we all just stayed home and didn't do anything. So don't be that person anymore. <laughs> like lockdown isn't a thing anymore. We're out of quarantine. Like let's go and create our own path. Like let's go and manifest what we want in this world because man if you're privileged enough to be in a country that allows you the mobility to move up like maybe take advantage of that and then for your support system reach out to your support system man if you need to ask somebody for coffee money or a ride and they maybe can't provide that for you maybe they're not your support system and that's okay like that's all right life is life is long and there are so many people in the world but you don't have to do this alone like I, my mom and she, my mom and her single momness and our brokenness, 
we were only able to get to where we were because my mom was open and vulnerable and had a beautiful support system. So utilize these people around you. I mean, you're not alone, as I would say. So those are my four little pieces to basically destroy depression and anxiety surrounding money because, hey, as as a person with that, like, it gets better. And and I would be remiss if my partner didn't, um, if I didn't mention, like, some of our plan. Like, my partner and I, we have uh, a few Bitcoin. We're planning on acquiring a lot more. We have, our goal is to have a 100 stock of <laughs> Tesla and we're about like halfway there. And then we also like to keep Solana and other crypto. And I am one to just, just like need more information to know what these things are. So take the time to research it. Like if social media is going to exist, let that thing work for you. Research what people are saying about these things on social media. Research the market. Like get, get familiar. If you're scared about making an investment, maybe follow the Goodbye July podcast a little bit more closely. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so that's some things we do with our partnership around money that kind of makes our make our makes us more confident in the things that we do for our long term goal, which I'm sure everyone's long term goal is to travel and see the world and be comfortable one day. So write that down and see what micro behaviors you can change to work towards that. Because I, I truly do feel like it's possible for everyone. Like, if it's possible for a little girl and her mom that grew up in an apartment, a tiny apartment here in Austin, Texas, it's possible for anyone. <laughs> um, and use that privilege to be able to move around in society and use that beautiful mind of yours to check your brain and say, hey, sure, I'm broke right now, but I don't have to be broke forever. <laughs> use those things. I'm glad that you asked that question. I wasn't prepared to talk about it, but I feel like I had a lot to say about it as someone that came out of that poverty, honestly. That's awesome. So it it, it sounds like, and like, again, I'm over here grinning so big because you're just getting it with the money question, which I love. <laughs> but um, it sounds like I, I noticed a lot of similar themes to what we talked about earlier. So it really seems like almost some self-reflection is necessary. And I love what you said about just knowing your worth, knowing your worth outside of money, separating yourself from that. And then another big theme I saw is take action, some kind of action, whether that's, you know, deciding you're not going to be broke anymore, deciding you're going to go for the promotion, deciding to use your support network and the vulnerability that comes with those things. But again, presence and action seem to be two big themes that kind of are coming up for all of the different issues that we talked about today, as well as this, this financial one specifically. So thank you for sharing some information about that, but also just for your vulnerability and sharing kind of some tidbits of your own story and the things that you've gone through. It's super, super helpful. And it, it really helped me gain perspective and remember the things that are important. So loved, loved that response, Jasmine. I guess my last question for you, I feel like, I don't know, we've covered some really, really cool stuff. And I just, I love everything that you've kind of gone through, the things you've overcome, the things you're working on, like you're so passionate about just what you do. And that's, again, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. I feel like you're so well-rounded. You have so many interests and you're good at managing all of it. But I'd love to know kind of just what's next for you and, you know, what what are the next couple of years? look like for you what's your three-year plan your five-year plan whatever and then you know if people want to follow along with your journey where can they find you so that they can do that yeah so what's next for me 
Hopefully, I'm going to publish a few papers and present more on the project I've been working on here in Austin with the housing specifically and for those in recovery from opioids. So hopefully look out for some of those publications. I'm working on that. I've been writing. I've been compiling things for my presentation. I'm going to secure this master's degree and then hopefully get a certification to do therapy. And I'm kind of looking into doing couples therapy and not just like I'm not talking husband, wife. I'm really looking into like maybe mother, daughter, father, son, um, or maybe even like business relation therapy. So like are there partners in a brokerage firm that have been working together for 30 years that need a little bit more connection? And so that's kind of what I'm going to do personally. And I'm I'm going back and forth with that. I'm also leaning into like what can I do with AI therapy and like VR and how I can be in a room with somebody without being in the room. I'm kind of just leaving my my mind open to what therapy and what even being empathetic for someone's situation and especially how that resolves around behavioral addictions and chemical addictions. How how, how what is this going to look like in 20 years? You know, how can I be so accessible to people that they can utilize me from a different country? And so I know I know that's kind of trippy and kind of out there, but hey, we have to think that far out. And then what advice would I have for listeners? I would say to like find your connection, find your tribe, find a partner that wants to hustle with you, find your own healthy outlook on the world that enhances your pre-existing strengths because you have them. You do have them. It's not because you don't have them. It's because you're not connected to utilizing them. So find that connection and use your support system. Create your support system if it's not there. And just know that sometimes you're all you need. And so reflect, be present, and make that make that action point. And I guess if you guys were curious to follow me on my journey, you can find me on Instagram at Jasmine or Blue. It's supposed to sound like minor blue because I play music. So there's some things there. But just look up Jasmine Blue. In addition, if you went to Google Scholar, you can look up Jasmine Blue and Google Scholar and see some of the publications that I have out or some of the things I'll be working on. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast, Jess. It was really fun when you reached out to me. I was like, oh, of course, I can't wait because not only am I a fan of this podcast, I'm just a fan of how you enhance women and people around you who need financial literacy. Like I'm just very much in adoration for what you do for people because I'm one of the people you help. Like I still have money in Elvis. I still have money in the minor things you told me to change. I still use some of the spreadsheets that you have provided me. And I think that you have a lot to teach people and we shouldn't be afraid about money and we should be able to, you know, enhance our pre-existing strengths because we have them. And I think you help people do that. With money. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. You're so sweet. Thank you for saying that. And I love what you said. I think that's something that, like, it's so easy to get caught up on, whether it's money or anything in our life, is all of the things that we do wrong. Isn't it so interesting how, like, I don't know, let's use Instagram for example. Say you have, like, one hater who leaves some awful comment on something. You're going to remember that way more than you're going to remember, like, all the kind things that people have said to you throughout your life. And I feel like it's the same with habits, my money or my relationship or whatever it is, I feel like it's so easy to focus on all the things that are not going right. 
But there's all these things that are going right where we can focus. And if you work on enhancing your strengths and what's already working, I think you're going to make way more progress, leaps and bounds more progress than you would just by sitting there focusing on what's not going well. So I really, really love that. And I appreciate the compliment. I'm so glad that you were able to join. And I just really, as always, loved this conversation with you. And I just wanted to mention for anyone who is listening and is in Austin, Texas, or even if you're not, Jasmine's (laughs) band is called Her Modern Orchestra, and they are exceptional. And I'm not just saying that because she's my friend. They're actually fantastic. So definitely go check them out, Her Modern Orchestra. And I'll link to her Instagram and Google Scholar links in the show notes at jessicatoller.com slash 026. So you can grab the links there. Definitely check out the rest of her journey, her music, all of her publications, and keep up with her. She is, as you can tell, a very interesting person. So Jasmine, thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait to have you back on in the future. Yes, I'd love that. Thanks for having me, Jess. So there you have it. Now you know my good friend Jasmine Blue, and I bet you are better off as a result. I know that I am. Hopefully you walk away from this conversation feeling encouraged and generally healthier in terms of your mental state. Mental health is a subject that is very near and dear to my heart, and I hate that there is still a big stigma around it in the United States. So I felt it was very important to have somebody like Jasmine on the show to help us understand and explore strategies that we can use in our everyday life to give ourselves a chance at the most beautiful experience possible in this world. I hope you feel the same as I do after talking to her, which is encouraged, hopeful, and excited for the future. Don't forget to check out this episode's resources at jessicatoller.com slash 026. And until next time, work less, live more, and keep on chasing your wildest dreams. Please note, this is not for mental health advice or physical health advice. Congratulations on finishing another episode of the Goodbye July podcast. If you want more, head over to jessicatoller.com slash podcast for show notes and any resources mentioned in today's episode. Don't forget to rate the show, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode, and if you would, share it with a friend. I believe in a world where we're all financially free, so let's help each other get there. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Goodbye July podcast.